Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back here on The Look Ahead. I'm Scott Sadenberg on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Always on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. We'll get back into the NBA playoffs coming up about 15 minutes or so from now. Daniel Alvari will join us on the program, our very own host of the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. But I want to get into a little Major League Baseball, talk about what went down here on Tuesday, including our play of the day winner. Nice little bounce back and a Sweat-free winner is always a good winner. The New York Mets taking on the Washington Nationals and Patrick Corbin, who has been an absolute disaster this season. So the play was the Mets on the team total over four and a half. Now, I tweeted this out at Scott's On Air and got a lot of feedback that some of the books uh, were posting five and a halves. And the five and a halves were actually a little bit of plus money. Well, I just responded to as many people as I could and said, yeah, I like it. I'd take the plus money at five and a half. Four and a half was laying minus 140. Five and a half was plus 105. I'd take the plus money at five and a half. Because Patrick Corbin has allowed three or more runs. Coming into this start, he allowed three or more runs in six of his last seven starts and seven of his 10 starts Overall, well, you can make that now seven of eight and eight of 11 overall after the Mets absolutely rock Patrick Corbin as uh, they get to him early and they get to him often. The Mets scoring two runs in the bottom of the first inning on a Starling Marte home run, and they then get two runs from a Luis Guillorme single in the bottom of the third inning. So they were up 4 nothing after three innings, and then a four-run bottom of the fifth. Seven runs on 12 hits in just four and a third innings tagged against Patrick Corbin. My favorite part of this game was the Luis Guillorme two-run single in the bottom of the third inning. Now let me paint the picture for you, for those that didn't see what happened here. To lead off the inning, um, Francisco Lindor grounds out, all right? And then Pete Alonso gets a single. So now there's a runner on first. J.D. Davis then reaches, based on an infield single. No surprise, the Mets lead the league in infield singles. And then there is a Jeff McNeil single. There are bases loaded with one out. 
Escobar strikes out, bringing up Luis Guillorme to the plate with two outs and the bases loaded. Guillorme gets hit by a pitch with two strikes on him. Goes to first, and you know what? It was um, one run for the Mets, three to nothing, bases loaded, two outs, Tomas Nito coming to the plate. The Nationals challenged this play to say that Guillermo wasn't Guillermo uh, Guillermo <laughs> Guillermo Guillermo wasn't hit by the pitch, and instead the ball hit the bat. They review it; it gets overturned. It's a foul ball, and then what does Guillermo do? Two run single. So instead of getting the one run on the hit by pitch, they get two runs. On the single, that was my favorite part about this game. This was never in doubt. You could have played the Mets every which way on the money line, which was a massive favorite, on the run line, on the first five-run line, and, of course, on the team total, and you would have hit as uh, they win 10-0 against the Nationals. So in back-to-back games here against D.C., a 13-5 win on Monday, a 10-0 win on Tuesday, and now they face the Nationals in a day game here on Wednesday. Carlos Carrasco is on the hill. Getting the start for the Nationals is Evan Lee, making his first start for the Nationals. In fact, I think it's his Major League debut. I got to see, did he pitch at all in last season? Um, nope. So here we are. Major League debut for one Evan Lee. I, for one, a little nervous about it because the highest level that he has pitched at here is double A. And in double A this year, he went, let's see, seven starts, 30 innings pitched, He's allowed 25 hits. He's struck out 37, so that's good. And he's walked 15, so a 1.33 whip, not terrible. 13 runs scored. 0-3 with a 3.60 ERA at double A. A little nervous about it, but... We want to talk about situations. We talk about situations all the time in Major League Baseball. And what's one of my favorite days in all of baseball? Getaway day. And the Mets will play this game at 1 o'clock Eastern time here on Wednesday. They will hop on a plane and head out west to Los Angeles where they will prepare for a big-time measuring stick series against the Dodgers for a four-game set. It is going to be very interesting to see the Mets lineup here on Wednesday. I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Pete Alonso gets the day off. Um, Although they did demote Dom Smith, so I don't know who would play first. But the Mets right now, I guess who would play first base is Eduardo Escobar, maybe? I don't know. But, hmm, 
I, I got to think that we're going to see Patrick Mazika be catching. You'll probably see Guillaume lead off. Maybe Nick Plummer in the outfield instead of uh, Mark Canna. And yeah, we he might keep he, Alonzo might get the day off. And I just wonder how motivated the Mets are going to be when they are staring in the face of a measuring stick performance against the Dodgers. That's something that absolutely intrigues me. So, can I talk myself into betting the Washington Nationals? The only, again, only hesitation I have Don't know much about this Evan Lee kid. And he hasn't even pitched past AAA, and he can get absolutely rocked. I don't know how deep he's going to go. I got to look and see what the Nationals, because I didn't handicap this game yet. I got to see what the Nationals' plan is for their pitching staff. Like, maybe this kid's only going to go and serve as an opener, and he's only going to go one time through the lineup, two times through the lineup, and then who do they back him up with? Or... Could this kid go out there and, and throw five shutout innings and pitch a gem? You know, the uncertainty certainly favors the pitcher at times in Major League Baseball, not so much the hitters, because the hitters have never seen this kid before. They haven't seen his delivery. They're going to be taking pitches early to get a look at him. Um, also, Edwin Diaz hasn't pitched in a couple of days for the Mets because they've had blowout wins in these last two games. So if it becomes a close game, you know, Diaz is going to pitch, and they'll give, give him some work. Or they save him for the four games in L.A. against the Dodgers. This is an intrigue. Don't be surprised if the Nationals win this game. That's all I'm saying. Don't be surprised if the Nationals win this game. Elsewhere here on Tuesday, uh, we had the White Sox and Blue Jays, a pitching matchup between Lucas Giolito and Kevin Gosman, where the line was at seven and a half. And with these two starting pitchers, you thought, why not, right? Two elite pitchers in Gosman and in Giolito. Well, Gosman gives up three runs. Giolito gives up six runs. Blue Jays win this one six to five. Game goes over. The posted total. So go figure with two of those elite pitchers. Uh, The Phillies have lost again. Jock Peterson hit a two-run home run in the 11th inning. This game went to extras, obviously. And in the 11th inning, uh, Peterson hit a two-run shot. And the Giants win 7-4 to over the Phillies. So make that, what, five straight losses now for Philadelphia? And hey... It's just uh, not looking good for Joe Girardi, who's getting a lot of heat right now from that Philadelphia Philly fan base. Uh, Elsewhere, it was the uh, Dodgers losing again to the Pirates. Now, I don't want to just... This is such a square thing to say, but you... uh, like. Like, everybody in their right, everybody's going to be on the, the Dodgers tomorrow, right? No way they get swept by the Pirates. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And they're minus 250 right now. Wouldn't be surprised if this thing goes up even higher. But that's just such a square way of thinking about it. Jose Quintana's had a nice season for the Pirates. Mike White's going for the Dodgers. I'd be careful just blindly betting the Dodgers, thinking there's no way they're going to get swept by a bad Pirates team. Remember, they have the Mets coming to town for this four-game set starting on Thursday. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter, at Scott's On Air. We'll get into the NBA Finals. Coming up next, our very own Danielle Alvari, host of the Los Angeles CityCast for us here at VSIN, will join me coming up. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can play ball with the Peacock MLB Sunday Leadoff Challenge. Just draft your players and compete for free for up to $10,000 in prizes. Visit DraftKings.com Peacock for more info. Don't just watch your shows, Peacock them. Terms and conditions and other eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I'm a Peacock. You gotta let me fly. Scott Seidenberg back here on The Look Ahead here on VSIN. Joining us now, talk a little Basketball is our very own Daniel Alvari, host of the Los Angeles City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. I know you know where that reference is from, Daniel. And if not, well, we just can't be friends anymore. Peacocks can't fly. Uh, yeah, that's such an underrated movie, actually. We were talking about my favorite Will Ferrell movies the other night, and I that's one you have to slip in there. People forget about. <laughs> I love that movie so much. Desk pop. When was that? It's just so underrated. Like every, they got me. Yeah, Bobby Cannavale is incredible in that. You know, the fact that Mark Wahlberg shot Derek Jeter, uh, it is such a classic movie. So if you haven't seen it, go out there and watch it. And I could just spend the next three hours talking about this movie or any other movies. So we'll save that for a podcast episode. Uh, Let's talk NBA Finals, Danielle. Uh, I see you're wearing a Golden State Warriors shirt. Um, These are are my PJs. Much to my chagrin, because uh, I do like the Boston Celtics in this series. What's your take on this series and the price of this series? Because the price would indicate that it's a little more than home court advantage for the Golden State Warriors, that the market believes the Warriors are better than the Celtics right now. 
I do think it should be more of a toss-up in terms of the series. I know that people are going to factor in home court. We've seen it be a huge factor so far in these NBA playoffs so far this season, especially. Um, JVT and I have been talking about this, you know, as well as he's been monitoring that. And he said maybe home court is worth up to three and a half. So maybe that's why you're seeing this line where it is. But it seems like the value is on the Celtics here. They're one of the teams. You've probably heard this a million times at this point if you've been following this uh, preview of this series at all yet. But that the Celtics are one of the few teams who have actually handled the Warriors pretty well in the past. And their defense is uniquely suited to handle a really strong perimeter offense that the Warriors offer. So It'll be, it kind of seems like it's this offense versus defense matchup, right? But it's not fair to really discount the Warriors defense this is the first time since 1996 that the top two teams in defensive efficiency are meeting in the finals. So, uh, I do think that the Warriors defense is being a little bit overlooked. Yes. We don't want to overlook Jason Tatum and Marcus smart, all of these, uh, who have plenty of offensive power, Jalen Brown. But I do think that when I'm looking at this matchup, I think that one thing the Warriors have that the Celtics don't have is an experience advantage. So that's kind of what makes me think the Warriors are where I slightly lean to, even though I do think the the Celtics have been the more complete team throughout the season. Where do you think the experience factor comes in? Like, did it, does the experience factor matter early on in the series, or will it matter if it comes down to uh, a clutch moment in game six or game seven? Like, when do you start to handicap that experience in this series. I think we're talking later in the series, six or seven. It's to the Celtics' best advantage to get this done quickly, obviously. I think that the Warriors are going to be able to go a little bit deeper. If you've watched how they've played in these playoffs, too, it can be even a little bit frustrating. It seems like they're not even that invested sometimes in games. It seems like the Warriors are always playing chess with people in these series. Uh, they've been in the finals five times since 2015, so I do think when we're talking about this, it's closing out games, and especially when we're talking about game sixes and game sevens. I could see this going to, to seven games. Yeah, I can see it going there as well, especially the Warriors they don't like closing it out on the road so if they do have a lead going into game six I can see easily Boston winning it and forcing it back to San Francisco for a game seven you know when I look at both of these teams and I really think that the defense obviously is incredible I favor the defense of the Celtics more so than the mm -hmm. Warriors but I think the scoring edge goes to the Celtics as well now hear me out I know I know Steph Curry Steph Curry but Klay Thompson gave you the 32-point performance, but that's not what Klay Thompson has been, not this season and not in these playoffs. And so I look at what both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can do offensively. Remember, Brown had that 40-point performance in the Game 3 loss against Miami, and I think that both of those scores are more dynamic and maybe a little bit more consistent than what we've seen out of Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think there was a, a I mean, a, more of the Bucks series, I think, stands out to me that we saw the Celtics offense drop off a little bit from what we saw versus the Nets. But I do think, like I said, this series would be more of a coin flip. But for whatever reason, it is slightly favored to the Warriors. Maybe that's because of the experience. Maybe that's due to home court. There's a lot of factors you could consider. But I do understand people. If you're looking for value, it's on the Celtics here. They've done so much to prove to us that they can get it done on both sides of the court. That defense is suffocating for them. So even as good as the Warriors defense is, we don't talk about their defense in the same breaths there so I understand wanting to look to the Celtics uh, I think that my head is saying Celtics but my uh, heart and my sleeve well my sleeve is saying Oakland actually this is an old <laughs> shirt but uh, my heart is saying Warriors it's an old shirt this is original uh, yeah as far I think if you like the Warriors I do think that there's the correlated play that you'd rather have Steph Curry to be the MVP at even money right. or plus 110 rather than lay the juice on the minus 150 or minus 160 on the Warriors to win the 
series. As far as the MVP candidates for the Celtics are concerned, I took the Marcus Smart at 100 to 1 here at Circa. It's not available anymore. Mm. It's at 40 to 1. And part of that was for the price. But the other part was I think there's a legit path for Marcus Smart to win this award. If the Celtics mm. are to win this series, Danielle, they're going to have to come up with a big time defensive effort to shut down Steph Curry. And if Marcus Smart, the defensive player of the year is the reason why Curry is limited offensively in this series. And he contributes 24 points, 25 points, 26 points in maybe three of the four wins needed to win this series. I absolutely think Marcus Smart is live to win this award. It's so tough with the Celtics team because their offense is, is a little bit more by committee than what we see with the Warriors. So that's why you're seeing a little bit longer odds on somebody like that. And but then wouldn't that talks, benefit Marcus Smart that they're by committee, that it's not just one guy doing the if scoring? If he puts up 24, 25 points like you're talking about, but he's competing against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, all three of them in their first finals appearance. So I do think it's doable. It's the best, like you said, it's the best value. It's the longest odds of those three guys. Uh, but it's just not as much of a lockup as like betting Steph Curry. Like the Warriors have to go through Steph Curry to win this. Yes. Yes. There's nobody else on the Warriors that's going to win this award besides yeah. Steph Curry. One bet I thought was interesting, actually, I think I saw it on Bet Rivers, was uh, Celtics to lose the first game but win the series was like three to one or something. So if you think Ooh. that they're going to struggle in the first game but end up winning the whole series, you can get that at three to one. Let me ask you about the first game. I know everyone wants to talk about, oh, coming off of the game seven and a bad spot for them, but they have more time off now between their Game 7 win over the Heat and this Game 1, rather than what they had going into Game 1 against the Heat coming off of the Game 7 win against the Bucks, So how much do you factor in that Game 7 into this Game 1 spread? Not as much, but what I think maybe I would look to more is that the Warriors are coming off of an easier ride to the finals, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about that, like what the Celtics had to go through. You can go uh, rest versus rhythm or rust or however you want to look at it. But I think that the Warriors have just had the easier path in terms of overall getting to the finals. So we're talking about recency. Yeah, the Celtics having to come off of that game seven. Um, maybe that's to their advantage. Maybe it's not. But I think that really the Warriors are at the advantage here. Not only are they at home, uh, but they're also more well-rested overall from literally starting point to getting to the finals here. So you say rest versus rhythm. I go rest versus rust. It's everybody says it differently. Yeah, you know? I, say, I say rest versus rust because it's like you want the time off, but then again, you don't want too much time off because you're going to be rusty. And yeah. You, you're, you're like comparing the other team being like they're in rhythm versus the team that's rested. So that's where you, you go with. I'm sort of a yeah, one-sided. Yeah, I, I, use, I use whatever R's I feel are appropriate for the moment. <laughs> Yeah, I use a one-sided <laughs> idiom, if uh, that's what we're going to call it. <laughs> Talk to me about the WNBA while I still have you here. Um, uh, uh, am I just dumb for not blindly betting the aces every single night? I've seen 9-1 and one now to start the season. It's just an incredible start. They cover the three-and-a-half line here tonight against the Sun. Tom Brady sitting courtside, by the way, with Giselle. So uh, should we be continuing to ride this team? Yeah, why is Tom Brady – where does he live? Why is he in Las well, he's Vegas? Play, he's playing in the match tomorrow. The golf match. Oh, the, him, ma him the match Aaron that nobody asked for. Did anybody <laughs> ask for this to be played? Who wants to watch this golf tournament? Or this, is listen, it a tournament? I am betting. It's a match. I'm betting Brady and Rogers to beat Mahomes and Allen. And it's at minus 190, and I'm willing to lay it. 
What, like, because Patrick Mahomes just announced he's having a second kid, so you're, fe- you're feeding the second kid angle? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm feeding the Jackson angle. I, I don't know what's going to happen in this tournament, but I do oh, no, know that the- Tom Brady is a good golfer, so I'll back him. I didn't think I was ready for the NFL to be back. I'm certainly not ready for Jackson Mahomes to be back, but... Um, you know, WNBA has been going really well for me. Actually, I was just talking, I was just bragging about myself, patting myself on the back on Twitter because sure. I'm 16 and eight in my last 24 games. So really enjoying the WNBA so far. Well, we'll be telling. And uh, especially when you have a play on the aces. So uh, absolutely. The, I mean, the aces are just head and shoulders. It's not, they just played the Connecticut sun tonight and they won by eight. And that's the team that's really like the second place team mm-hmm. right now. So it doesn't seem like anybody can stop them at this point. We will keep riding them. Danielle, appreciate the time and the insight. We'll catch you on the LA CityCast. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. There she is, Danielle Alvari, our very own. Catch the Los Angeles CityCast presented by BetRivers, vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And, yeah, Danielle's been she's been on fire betting the WNBA. So she had aces minus three and a half uh, here on Tuesday night, and it absolutely came home for her. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air. This is The Look Ahead here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. The Look Ahead on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com to check the current betting splits data. The betting splits page will show you where the money and bets are moving for every game. And now it's updated every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way vcin is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Scott Sadenberg back here. This is the look ahead on vcin, the sports betting network. And as we take a look ahead to uh, the Eastern Conference Finals in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Western Conference Finals kick things off here on a Tuesday night with the Avalanche blowing out the Oilers 8-6. to six. Well, not blowing them out. It was a close game, but it really was a wild game that we saw between the Avs and the Oilers. The Avalanche took a uh, – Colorado was down one nothing early. They – right, literally, not uh, 30 seconds later. And this was the theme here of this game. So, Oilers take the, take the early lead. Like, 30 seconds later, Avalanche tie it up. All right, then the Avalanche take a lead. Then the Oilers tie it, and literally seconds later, the Avalanche take the lead. So there were two goals in the final minute of the first period. So they head to the second period up three to two. And then within the first minute of the second period, bang, goal. Avalanche up four to two. Credit the Oilers. They pull within four three. And then Avalanche goal five three. Avalanche goal six three. Avalanche goal seven three. And then literally 30 seconds after they make it seven three, the Oilers score to make it seven four. So they go into the third period. Oilers score, make it 7-5. Then Oilers make it 7-6. And then the empty netter makes it 8-6 as the Avalanche win. And this series is going to be fun. It's going to be high scoring. I am very curious to see how the sportsbooks will adjust from game to game. Right now, and the total for that game was 7. 
the total for game number two is at seven as well. However, on DraftKings, the seven is minus 130. And I would not be surprised. Well, first off, I think it's a definite, not like a, a guess. I We will see seven and a half get posted for this game. Let me just check a couple other books here because I do believe, let's see, I think we are getting a seven and a half. The question is, will we go higher than seven and a half? I don't know if we can go higher than that. Circa has the seven at minus 135. So we're definitely getting to seven and a half. Eight is a dangerous number. Uh, Look, it didn't matter here in game number one, right? So they could post an eight and we could see upwards of 10 goals, like the 14 that we saw here in game one. Um, But if they post an eight, and let's say the first period ends one nothing. Like, what's the live total then? It's got to be five and a half, right? Five. What if it's 1-1? If it's 1-1 after the first period, do you make it five and a half? And if that's the case, if you get a low-scoring first period and you took a pregame under on eight, then you, after the first period, go over five and a half and you have a two-goal middle of getting a six-goal game or a seven-goal game. I just think that having an eight opens the book up to a lot of those possibilities. I don't know if we'll see it, but man, if they have another game like they did here on Tuesday night, and if after game two, whether it's a 1-1 series or if the Avalanche are up two games to none, but we saw 14 goals here in game one, and let's say we see 10 to 12 goals in game two, like give me a, you know, a 7-5 final, a 6-5 final, a 6-4 final, something like that. Honestly, how could, how could you not hang an eight up on the board? you got to play the over seven now because it's going up to seven and a half. And I think that every game in this series goes over. This is an over series. And I'm very curious to see what the Oilers do in game number two if they decide to start Koskinen or they go back to Mike Smith. We talked before this series that this was going to be an over series, uh, that Mike Smith really didn't stand a chance against the Avalanche. And I, I think they would go to Koskinen. Let me see if there's even been an announcement there uh, about game two. Mm, no, nothing just yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's what I would do. He only let up one goal. He looked much better. So that's what I would do if I was the Oilers is I would go to Koskinen. Let me check Twitter. See if I, no, nothing, nothing. Just wondering if there was any post-game announcements made. But we'll check to see what happens during the off day, what they do during their practice skate, and see the decision that they make coming up for game number two on Thursday. As for game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, I feel the complete opposite way 
about the Eastern Finals than I did about the Western Finals. The Western Finals is an over-series. The Eastern Finals is an under-series. These two goaltenders, Igor Shosturkin and Andre Vasilevsky, are two of the best goaltenders in the world. This is not going to be a series where you are, forget about the, the scoring capability, because, yeah, there are guys on both teams that can score, just like the, like the Avalanche and, and Oilers might have, you know, better scorers, right? You know, you look at Connor McDavid, you look at uh, Nathan McKinnon, and you, you know, you're scared of these scorers. But, you know, the Rangers, Chris Kreider is a 50-goal guy this year. The Lightning certainly have their fair share of goal scores, but it's about the defense and it's about the goaltending. Whereas there's a lot of open ice in that Western Conference Finals, it ain't going to be the same here for the East. There's gonna, it's gonna, it, it, it's gonna be tough to find shooting lanes. It's gonna be tough to, you know, you're gonna have like Ryan McDonough and, and Victor Hedman are probably gonna be on. Mika Zibanejad, this whole entire series, and it, it's it's going to be one of these chess games between Gerard Gallant and John Cooper, the two respective head coaches, and how they roll out their lines. Because I I just think this is it's going to be tough sledding for either teams. Both these teams block shots uh, very well. They they play a gritty brand of hockey, and I absolutely think that this comes down to which team stays out of the penalty box. The Rangers, deadly on the power play. Their special teams has been just tremendous for them this season. Uh, I would I would look at, you know, who is the, uh, who stays out of the box. What's interesting is the Rangers were like the um, number, the second best power play in the league. This and the second best this postseason, I should say. Uh, in the regular season, Rangers were the fourth best power play in all of hockey. In the regular season, the Tampa Bay Lightning were the second most penalized team in the NHL. This postseason the Tampa Bay Lightning are the fourth most penalized team in this playoffs. So if Tampa does if Tampa doesn't do a better job of staying out of the box, the Rangers on their power play are going to take advantage. And I think getting the Rangers forget about the fact that I think the, all these games go under and I love the under five and a half, but getting the Rangers at a plus money price in this series, especially considering that they have home ice advantage, I really like it. They're plus 110 for the game here coming up on Wednesday night, and I would certainly take a flyer on Rangers and the under. That is my, I, I feel, it's not just a homer call. I really think Rangers are absolutely live in this series. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter, at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N. A-I-R. Coming up next, talk a little football. Our good friend Benjamin Brown from PFF will join us coming up here on the program. Want to get his thoughts. I've uh, been, been meaning to look at their power rankings. 
to see where we're at right now. Plus, how does he uh, change some of the evaluations on teams based on some current news? We'll get into that coming up next. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Answer the call of cash with DraftKings Connect Victory Challenge, sponsored by Verizon. Play for free in this nine-part prediction pool series and take your shot at grabbing a share of $45,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Verizon now to join the action. Verizon, America's most reliable 5G network. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Sadenberg back here. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joining us now from PFF, he is Benjamin Brown. And Ben, let's get into the Cleveland Browns here because uh, the news on Deshaun Watson, there's more stories coming out about uh, another lawsuit. And we don't know uh, officially yet if there's going to be a suspension I think it's a safe bet to say that there will be, and he will not be playing the first couple of weeks of the season. So when you take that into consideration, how does that affect the Browns, let's say, in their first four games of the season? Yeah, definitely. I do I do agree with you. I think, you know, anywhere you kind of hear it. Has- I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Is looking at between four, six, or eight games. So definitely have to take into account. It did actually, I would say, uh, break somewhat well for them, at least from a, you know on-field perspective, right? They do have Carolina at Carolina week one. Go to the New York, or they play New York Jets at home. Uh, they have Pittsburgh at home and then at Atlanta. And I do think that uh, when evaluating their roster, even with Baker Mayfield potentially as the starting quarterback those first four weeks, all very winnable games right and I do think toward the latter half of their schedule uh, is definitely where the difficulties lie so uh, I do think that you know at least looks like the schedule makers uh, did them probably some favors in aligning uh, their early season schedule with the idea that uh, Deshaun Watson's probably going to miss some games so I do think that um, maybe uh, the approach doesn't necessarily have to be to wait, but of course, uh, very few books are offering anything in the way of, you know, Cleveland Browns futures market uh, or or spreads outside of week one right now. What if it's Jacoby Brissett at quarterback? Because I don't yeah, think that Baker Mayfield's going to be on the team. <laughs> it's it's very true. And I, we've actually seen, you know, Jacoby Brissett be uh, a more than capable backup quarterback mm-hmm. at a number of spots in the league, right? Miami uh, Dolphins, for instance, uh, kind of 
didn't necessarily elevate the play of those around him, but was uh, probably the most competent backup quarterback at that particular juncture. So I do think that uh, given the state of the talent around him on offense, uh, maybe not so much at the wide receiver position, but that defense should be able to win uh, games against quarterbacks that are uh, not necessarily going to blow Jacoby Brissett out of the water, right? So I do think that given, you know, the four or six game outlook, uh, they should be more than able to keep float uh, with the idea that they can definitely challenge for the AFC North in the latter half uh, of their schedule when it does get a lot more difficult. Uh, some free agency news. The Bucks bring in Akeem Hicks, uh, which is going to replace Indomitian Sue. What effect, if any, does that have on Tampa Bay? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do think, you know, it, it allows them maybe uh, to at least hopefully play, you know, similar defensively with, you know, five or six defensive backs heavily, heavily rely on that 2019 draft class that did come through for them, uh, but, you know, maybe had a down year here in 2021. So uh, I I don't mind the signing. I do think we're going to see some things at least, uh, you know, in the veteran market uh, kind of break here on June 1st, given the, you know, the salary cap implications that do change with, you know, trades and cuts happening at the NFL level. So we should see some movement. This could be the spot where we see, you know, a couple of guys uh, get cut, uh, you know, a Deion Jones type player for the Atlanta Falcons makes a lot of sense. But uh, I do think we're going to see some names that could potentially uh, matter here for teams looking to make, uh, you know, a run at that Lombardi trophy here when it's all said and done in 2022. The Jimmy Garoppolo news, we're still waiting to see where he is going to play this season. Uh, which teams would benefit greatly from having Jimmy Garoppolo on their team as opposed to their current quarterback situation. Give me like the top yeah, couple that come to mind. Yeah, it's really, it's really Carolina, uh, I would say, or bust right now, right? I do think Seattle is going to be a pretty heavy rebuilding team. Uh, so I don't really think he's going to matter a whole lot. And I don't think that San Francisco 49ers have any interest in trading him to, you know, a division rival mm -hmm. uh, at this point. So I do think it's going to be Carolina. Uh, I do think that he does make uh sense as a pretty significant upgrade over Sam Darnold. And I do um, I would I would expect that if you know the Carolina Panthers don't end up with Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, that they are going to probably start with Matt Corral at quarterback. I do think he actually at least offers you know some semblance of upside uh, with with talented playmakers around him. So uh, if it's not Carolina, I'm not sure where it's going to go, but it does seem to be that there are uh, you know more potential starting quarterbacks in the NFL, at least borderline starting quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, than actual teams that need those guys uh, right now. So uh, where Jimmy Garoppolo goes, where Baker Mayfield goes, still is uh, definitely the unanswered question of this offseason. Who was worth more to the spread last year? Like, Was it Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield? Uh, it was actually, we had Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he was like one and a half points better than Baker Mayfield. Okay. Uh, by the end of the season, I think, where we started at with Baker Mayfield might have been uh, basically those guys uh, exactly even. But uh, we'll see. I do think the San Francisco 49ers are kind of an interesting, uh, you know, option right now as well. Uh, it does seem like, you know, when you're looking at their odds specifically to, you know, go to the playoffs or the win total, uh, there is some, some, you know, some bookmakers aren't necessarily offering them on the downside of that playoffs. So I do think that there could be an expectation where, you know, Trey Lance does completely bottom out uh, and they do turn into a pretty poor team in that NFC West division. I do think that makes, uh, you know, some possibility for a team like the Arizona Cardinals to uh, maybe make some noise, maybe get into the playoffs. And I do think that we, uh, you know, like them in PFF simulation to actually uh, pay off for their playoff price better than what they are priced right now. We've seen a lot of steam on the Philadelphia Eagles, and we all know the move that they made with the A.J. Brown trade on the draft day. 
But how much are you buying into a step forward here for the Eagles who, let, let's remind people, they were a playoff team last year. And I think people yep. tend to forget that. Yep, definitely. I mean, they got blown out by Tampa Bay, right? And I do think that's kind of the lasting image in everyone's mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think, you know, how they got there uh, was with Jalen Hurts and kind of this heavy RPO option, allowing him to make plays with his legs. And I do think that if they walk into, uh, you know, 2022 with the idea that uh, they can win football games with Jalen Hurts playing that type of quarterback, uh, giving them those kind of options, uh, I think they can win a lot of games. But they're not necessarily going to answer the question of, is Jalen Hurts the long-term solution for the Philadelphia Eagles at the quarterback position? I do think if they want to answer that question in 2022, we're going to see a lot more downfield throws. We're going to see that passing game need to open up with A.J. Brown uh, kind of as the starting fold. And I do think that creates you know a much higher ceiling type outcome for Philadelphia. I'm just not sure that that's going to be the actual approach that they take with Jalen Hurts here uh, in 2022. I would love to see it because I do think that you know puts them in conversation to at least compete uh, for an NFC conference title. Uh, but other than that, I think they're probably going to fall uh, maybe a little bit short of expectation if they don't kind of unleash Jalen Hurts here uh, in 2022. I think one of the more intriguing teams is the New Orleans Saints. Their win total is posted at eight. Uh, what's your assessment currently of the Saints? Uh, let's assume Michael Thomas is back healthy, and we've heard the reports that he's, uh, you know, getting along with Chris Olave and he's playing the mentor role. So, you know, if Jameis Winston can stay healthy, what's the overall assessment and the feeling here about the New Orleans Saints and looking at that win total of eight? Yeah, definitely. I do think that they are definitely putting the pieces in place for, uh, you know, Jameis Winston to be successful. The question is, can he kind of limit some of that downside that we've seen basically uh, the, the root cause of all of his struggles throughout his, you know, entire NFL career. If he but can post LASIK, man, he got the LASIK, LASIK surgery. Can help. And I, I honestly think, you know, the real concern for me with the New Orleans Saints right now uh, is Sean Payton basically, you know, not going to be in the mix here to potentially help evaluate or help, you know, build up Jameis Winston. I do think that's kind of the concern, not necessarily understanding uh, how that offense is going to look here without Sean Payton. Uh, Maybe is probably the most concerning thing for me and probably the reason why I don't expect them to gel uh, as quickly as a lot of people are expecting them. So we're a little bit lower than the betting market consensus right now, but uh, I think they are probably, you know, one Tom Brady injury away uh, from definitely being relevant in that NFC South division. You know, one of my favorite win totals, I think the New York Giants are completely undervalued here. At yep. seven wins. I talked about Daniel Jones, eight to one, nine to one comeback player of the year before, but I think Giants over seven wins is absolutely live. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. We have them basically at like 8.4, 8.5 wins, basically the highest win total uh, that we are off market on uh, coming up here this season. We do also like them to make the playoffs quite a bit. I think we have them just under a 40% chance uh, making the playoffs. I think if you're looking at their implied probability right around 33%. So we expect, you know, given the given the state of the NFC East, I think a lot of people are, you know, starting to back off of Dallas, Philadelphia, maybe, like you said, becoming a little bit overvalued. And I do think that uh, that's causing the Giants to probably be the most overlooked team right now uh, for a lot of the futures markets, given our numbers, uh, given the state of the roster, given what we're hearing from, you know, Wandell Robinson being, you know, this this next great yards after catch receiver in that offense with Brian DeBowell, uh potentially helping Daniel Jones turn a corner. They're an exciting team and definitely one that I'm backing here uh, as we approach the 2022 season. Ben, great stuff as always, my friend. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Have a great show. There he is. Benjamin Brown from PFF. Those guys do a tremendous job there. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore 
Ben Brown. I, I, maybe I'm higher on the New York Giants than other people, but I, I guess I was just validated there because PFF has him at about, what do you say, 8.4 wins and uh, definitely a higher percentage to make the playoffs than what is currently widely available in the market. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottSonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.